Hello, friends, and welcome to the Midpacker Pod, part of the Free Trail Network of Podcasts. I am your host, Troy Meadows, and I am stoked to bring you informative and relatable content from people just like you, everyday runners pushing their boundaries and doing extraordinary things on and off the trails. My guest today on the pod is Om Gandhi. Om is an entrepreneur, trail and ultra runner based in Los Angeles. He is a partner and owner at Run Try Bike the online site dedicated to sharing the voice of the everyday athlete, and we discuss his journey from feeling trapped in a job he hated to developing a freelance relationship with Run Try Bike that turned into an opportunity to come on full-time and become a pivotal member in growing the organization. We also talk about how Om gives back with his running by working closely with the Richtone Family Center, a charity that he is super passionate about that helps at-risk children and families break the cycle of child abuse and thrive. Om has a flag that the children created for him that he carries across the finish line of all of his races. That's so cool. And through his running, he has raised over $10,000 for this organization. We round out the conversation with Ohm's running goals for 2024, where he plans to run the triple crown of 200s. We discuss mindset and how he plans to balance his hectic work weeks with the demands of training for not one 200-mile race, but three. Ohm has an amazing can-do attitude that he balances with a kind-hearted and gracious approach to life. I truly enjoyed getting to know him better in this conversation, and I hope you gain as much as I did about living your true calling and crafting a life of service as I did from this episode. All right, all right, all right. Before we get to the show, this is where I ask you for a few favors. I'm still looking for some more ratings and reviews for the pod. So if you have a minute, I would love it if you hit pause right now and gave the pod some shine. It only takes a minute and would really help the pod reach new listeners. Also, the Midpacker pod has a Patreon account. If you enjoy the pod and want to support me directly, it's a dollar a month. It's like 25 cents an episode and a crazy good deal if you ask me. Check out the link in the show notes if you want to sign up. Okay, that's enough of my ramblings. Now let's get on to my conversation with Om Gandhi. All right, friends, welcome back to the Midpacker Pod. I am here with my guest today, uh, Om Gandhi. How you doing today, brother? I'm good, Troy. How are you doing? Man, no complaints. It's a it's a mad dash to get to the Thanksgiving week. So uh, excited to have you on. Excited to to record a conversation with you. Um, yeah, we'll just start off with how I how I usually open most of the pods for for mo- for most of all my guests. Um, you know who is Om Gandhi? Well, I think the uh, the general Cliff Notes version of who Om Gandhi is is Om is a multifaceted person, just like every human being is. Um, Om is an ultra runner who does one hundred mile races and two hundred mile races. Ohm runs for uh, a charity called Ridstone Family Center, uh, which prevents and treats child abuse, domestic violence, and generational trauma uh, for low-income bracket families in L.A. Uh, Ohm is a brother. Ohm is is a son. Uh, Ohm is a boyfriend, man. Uh, Ohm is a friend to people. But uh, I'd say other facets of me are that I am a small business owner through Run Try Bike. Uh, we're a media company that is the uh, voice of the everyday athlete, and we can dive into that. Um, and 
yeah, man, that's uh, at the root of it. That's basically who I am. I'm just trying to do hard things and grow and uh, never get complacent in one place and just work hard, play hard and just be good to people and just lift others up. Yeah, love that. And uh, I love that, you know, you're like, I'm multifaceted. I am all of these things. And I think it's really important to to highlight that because, um, you know, everyone is all that, right? And we're not just runners. We're not just athletes. We're, we're not just like endurance junkies. We, we have to balance so many things in life. And then we still, uh, you know, we're still trying to show up, show up as our best selves on the start line from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint, but also, you know, how do you parlay some of the things we're doing from an endurance standpoint and bring that into being, you know, the best version of yourself in all the other aspects, right? So it's like, how do you create that balance? How do you create that, um, how do you create those concentric circles in your life? That's really, really cool. And I definitely, you know, I want to, I really want to double click on what you guys are doing at, at run, try bike. And I definitely want to talk about, um, the work that you're doing with the Richstone family center. I think it's, uh, I, I love when people figure out how to, um, bring advocacy into the running. I think it's like super, super important. Uh, so we're definitely going to, going to dive into that. But, um, before we get into, into some of those topics, you know, let's talk about, you know, what got you here? Like what, what brought you into, into, into the trail running community? So, uh, I think the best place to start is starting with my running journey. I started running five years ago. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in the green room, but I have a background that is absolutely the least athletic person on the planet. Um, I hated the mile and track running was a punishment. Even when I did do any sort of team sport, um, I failed PE every single year, believe it or not, I failed the fitness test. So I had to do remedial PE every year. Couldn't do the push-ups or pull-ups or sit-ups. Uh, and I was obese and struggled with, uh, food issues for most of my teen years. And and when I was 18 years old, I had a pre-diabetes diagnosis. Uh, I come from a family of diabetics and, uh, necessarily did not live a very healthy lifestyle. And so I knew a change had to be made and, um, started losing weight in my adult years and, probably didn't do it the right way. It was restricting calories, had a bad relationship with food. Um, and that sort of like snowballed into my adult years, kind of struggle with weight fluctuations. Uh, when I was in my mid twenties, I was struggling with the weight gain again. I was working a high stress engineering job and just struggling with relationships in my life. And just found running as an outlet. Uh, it seemed like the easiest thing to pick up, you know, like there are facets to it like anything else, but like at the root of it, you just need a good pair of shoes. You just need a good pair of workout clothes and you can just go outside and do your thing. And so I did that and went outside, ran a quarter of a mile and just felt absolutely sick. (laughs) And it was a, it was tough. It was not uh, it was not a aha moment. There was no runner's high, but something kept bringing me back, and the the thirst for kind of upping the stakes just happened. And I fell in love with running for the mental health reasons, the therapeutic reasons, um, and that's also something I'd like to highlight really quick that it's good for mental health, but it's not mental health. Um, but yeah, really it was good point. Very, 
it was very good for my mental health, uh, for me to do running. And one thing led to another and I was training for a marathon, um, that was supposed to happen in May of 2020. And we know how that turned out for most road races. And about a year before that, I had started picking up backpacking and hiking and flash forward to about June. I'm kind of dealing with a bad breakup, um, dealing with like, I'm like dealing with drinking issues, uh, just a high stress engineering job. And I just decide like, I'm just going to go run more miles and I'm going to do it on the trail. So I get out, I start running on the trails and then I see that Utah is having races and I decide to commit to a hundred mile or when the most I'd ever done was like 16 miles. Um, and I'm very much a personality of like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I'm going to set this big lofty goal, but I'm going to figure it out. And that's kind of the crux of how I started my journey. And it was just, it was just one thing led to the other. And, uh, it was actually a lot of my discovery of trail running came through run, try bike with, uh, Jason Baumundi, the other founder also being a trail runner. And that's also how I discovered the 200 mile community as well. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into trail running. Very cool. So it's kind of, uh, out of the frying pan into the fire kind of situation, right? Like you kind of jumped, you, you, you just like, we're going to pass go on the, on the road scene and we're just going to jump right into, you know, what arguably is like the pinnacle, right? The hundred, the hundred mile distance is kind of like the pinnacle of ultra running. I know obviously the 200 mile scene is, is blowing up, but, uh, that is, I want to double click there. So how did that hundred miler go for you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and what what and if you want to give a brief of like kind of what the training looked like leading up to it so we have an idea of like where you were from a like physical standpoint and then um you know we don't have to go into all the blow by blows but i would love uh you know i would love the the two or three minute drill on on how the hundred miler went so yeah absolutely i so i committed to my first hundred mile in july of 2020 knowing that it was going to be in april of 2021 it was just one of those things where I had around the time I started running in 2018, I had actually seen some videos of trail running at the time. And it was the specific documentary, REI's How to Run 100 Miles, that I just kept plugging over and over and over again. And the that's really good. Happened, that's really, that's at, a really good one, actually. So, yeah. One of my favorites. I think I watch it at least once a year. I mean, that's a good one. Um, but like, at the time, like I was training for a half marathon and doing 5Ks. So when I saw these people doing 100 mile foot races, the only words I could use to describe them were like Olympians, like gods. And for me, the only words I could use to describe myself um, in ever trying to be in that category was never going to happen in this lifetime. But um, this is really cool. Good for them. And then the pandemic happened and whole world was kind of falling apart, was going through that breakup as we talked about. And uh, was just dealing with this high stress engineering job and started running more on the trails and started seeing more and more of what I was capable of. And I was just like, why not? What's the worst that could happen if I sign up? Um, I'd started to adapt this mindset, um, that I still kind of carry to this day of like failing big and not winning small because I feel like mm. all my big failures have really given me more growth than my small wins are. And that is with the caveat of like, you should celebrate all your wins because um, you have to celebrate your small wins and give yourself grace. So that's evolved over time. But 
Yeah, I uh, I went for a big goal. I signed up for the Zion 50K in September because Utah was the only one of the only states doing races. And just kind of like 2021, more races started opening up, started doing more training and doing more 50Ks. And I'll be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just Googling things, seeing what stuck, just putting in a lot of miles like I wouldn't say I was wearing cotton, but I wasn't like, I didn't know what an electrolyte pill was. So my first 50K was the last two hours was like a death march because um, I had like Charlie horses all over. It was 94 degrees. Um, do not recommend going into a race uh, or encouraging it without knowing what electrolytes are. <laughs> um, but yeah, flash forward to um, January, I met my coach at the time uh, who is still a good friend um, at my second 50K. And she gave me the roadmap towards my first 100 miler and Zion mm. 100 miler. Um, and to kind of give you the idea of how it ended, because it is still one of my favorite finishes to today. Um, I finished with two minutes to spare. I was the dead fucking last person to finish that race. Um, and it was one of those like, go for broke. I'm going to give it everything I've got. I made every mistake in the book. I had foot issues. I had. I couldn't eat anything for the last 40 miles. I had like an ankle injury that was like, that like messed me up for the last 40 miles. And yeah, I fought tooth and nail for that finish thinking like, I just want this one. I just want to see if I can go the distance. I don't care if this is the last one I do. And then sure enough, as you know, like you cross that finish line and then you're like, well, I got the bug now. <laughs> and, um, I got to say like to this day, like it's been, two years now, two and a half years now, I've met some really cool people that helped me along the way, both off the trails. Cause I ran that race solo, but not alone, as you would say, is the sure. people in the community are amazing. And the last aid station, Rob Rich and his daughter ran in the finish with me as they were sweeping. And the, the best detail of that was that on my map, it said I had four miles left and only one hour to do it. And I was doing 25 minute miles at the time. And I was like, that was the first time I was like, shoot, I might not actually make it. And then Rob Rich, who was the aid station captain, was standing up on like this mesa, like not too high for me. And he tells me that I only have two miles left, like an angel from above. And then he closes up the aid station and he's like, do you want me to run in the finish with you? I was like, you guys have to run in the finish with me. You helped me get this far. And so him and his daughter, they... uh Another one of their friends ran in the finish with me and I literally, he told me I had to sprint. So I sprinted. And when I say sprinted, it was air quote sprint. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Like you, you feel like you're running seven minute miles and you look at the Strava and you're like, okay, cool. That's what a 14 minute mile feels like at the end of a hundred miler. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud to say it was a rock solid 11, man. <laughs> For like Nice. Oh, but yeah, I ran in like screaming at the finish line, everybody cheering and had to go to urgent care the next day. That was rough. Um, so would I do it again? Uh, I think it was an integral part of my journey. So yes. Would I recommend it to people? No, I would say do a solid progression of like 50K to 50 mile or 100K to 100 mile, but also live your truth. Are you looking to represent your love of the trails off the trails? then check out Run Trail Life, the casual apparel company that lets you show your love of trail and ultra running while giving back to protect the trails we love so much. 
RTLTs are 100% organic cotton or made from recycled water bottles, and $1 from every item purchased is donated to Runners for Public Lands, a not-for-profit dedicated to creating and maintaining trails on our public lands. I am super passionate about this company because I am the founder and solo entrepreneur behind it. That's right, from the website to the apparel designs, I created it all. So if you love the content on the pod, consider supporting me directly with a purchase. And if you use code MIDPACKERPOD, I will double the donation from your purchase to Runners for Public Lands. I personally love the Ultra Runners Do It Longer tee and the RTL Logo Trucker, which has a sweet built-in headband making it perfect for your next long run. Visit runtraillife.com to check out our entire line of hats and tees. Thanks for your support. Yeah, man. No, that's a great story. And I love that you're like, yeah, I had two minutes to spare. And it's kind of like, I had a feeling it was going to turn into what we haven't talked. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I had a feeling it was going to turn into like kind of one of those stories. Cause it's like, you just don't, it, you just don't go from, I've never ran more than, you know, a half marathon to like, I'm going to run a hundred K without like a solid, I mean, you can, if you have like, if you're one of those half marathon runners that's putting in 60, 70, 80 miles, you know what I mean? Like if you're putting in a solid base and you've built up solid fitness, like sure, you can like take that and, and add some specificity. But yeah, that's a really cool journey. And like, even for myself, it took me, gosh, it took me like seven years to get to the start line of my first hundred. And there was a lot of injury that, that prevented me and a lot of really weird serendipitous stuff. Like I broke my big toe like three weeks before I was going to before like a start, a start of a race. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of like repair, I've had a, several repair surgeries, um, in my abdomen that took me out for like three months at a time, like consecutive years. So it just like, wasn't really able to get a buildup, but you know, you, I was, my, my progression was pretty standard. I was like, Oh cool. Let's run a 50 K let's run a 50 mile. Let's run a hundred K. Okay. I've done all these distances. Now let's move up to the hundred miler. And it took like it took seven years, eight, almost eight years to get, to get there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I concur with you. I think if you come from a solid running background, you know, even then I think it's important to take a two, three, four year trajectory to go from the, I ran my first marathon to I'm finishing my, my first hundred. So, um, yeah, really cool, man. I love that story. And, uh, uh, I love the, um, the like getting ran, getting run in, um, by some people that were really like pushing you and helping you in the last little bit. I think that's, you know, it highlights what's so amazing about our community and what's so amazing about the, just the ultra running and the trail running community in general. Um, you know, everyone from the tip of the spear to, to the, to the bottom of the shaft, right? Like everyone from, from the back of the handle to the tip of the spear, like they want to see you succeed, you know, like everyone is here to watch every, to watch everyone, um, you know, compete and complete their goals. So. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's a, it's such a special community. And I've always said that, like, if I could, if I stopped running tomorrow, or if I had the inability to run, stop, like run tomorrow, then I would still go out and volunteer at these races just to be at this community because I almost feel a tint of sadness when I leave these races because I'm like, man, these are my people. And they're all coming from like respective corners of like their like the states or like some of them even coming like in these 200 mile races from internationally or these stage races internationally. And it's like, man, I wish I could be around this tribe all the time because these are truly my people. Yeah, man. No, 100 percent. And I, I'm not like shameless plug. It's what I love about free trail is. 
um, with the community they built and, and with the ability to engage with, with people on Slack, like you kind of feel like you can bring that in your, po- uh, bring that community with you, like everywhere you go, kind of have it available in your pocket. Obviously it's not the same thing as getting run in by the aid station captains in, in, in the final mile and the last aid station of your hundred miler. Like it's definitely not, but it definitely allows you to kind of bring a small part of that with you. And I think that's a really good segue into, into, you know, your role at Run Tri Bike, how you got to that organization. And, and ultimately, you know, like you mentioned before in your intro, you know, it, it's a platform and it's really focused on highlighting the voice of the everyday athlete, similar to this pod that we're on right now, right? It's uh, my, my pod, it's called the Mid Packer Pod because, like, it's for the mid pack, it's for the back of the pack. I, I hope I don't really have people like I don't have pro elites. I have people that are I've had people on the pod that like, you know, take podium spots at races, but these aren't like the the biggest or the the, the is these these aren't races at the biggest stage in, in the sport. Um, and I think it's really important to to highlight those stories because I, I like to tell anyone to listen, like we're the ninety-nine percent, right? There's the one percent of the pros, and then if you double if you if you open that back up excuse me i just hit my mic if you open that back up like we're like a tenth of percent of the population you know like we're we're not even the one percent like like if you look at like every day on the, everyone on the planet and you look at people that run ultra marathons or people that trail run in general like man we're like a fraction of a percentage of people and we're doing things that the like like i don't know like the classic tro- trope is like Oh, I won't drive my car that far. I don't like driving in my car that far. And you do what, you know? And so I just think it's really important. Um, and also to empower people and say like, man, if I, if you, like you said, like, oh, you're like, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And I feel the same way. Like I live the lifestyle. I do a lot in order to show up as my best self on race day. And I do a lot to try to show up as like who I w- want to personify as my best self in, in, in like real life. Um, and it's a lot of work, but at the same time, like, if that's what you want to do, anyone can get there. Um, but anyway, like, let me step off my, this stool here for a second and 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 throw it back to you. Um, talk about run, try, bike. How you got there? I mean, you mentioned you were working like a job that wasn't that was very stressful and obviously not very fulfilling for you. And I feel like you you went feet first into the community, and and because of that, now you've been given an opportunity to grow grow, not just grow in the community, but grow as an entrepreneur, grow as a business person. Um, I would love to unpack some of that for the audience. Yeah, man. I was working a very high stress job as an aviation civil engineer, traveling all the time, staying in hotels all the time. It was just, just a very lonely life. Um, and it just, I've been in that profession for five, six years and just realized that it just wasn't helping me live my purpose and live my truth, which was which as I've kind of like discovered in like my most recent evolutions is just like helping tell people stories, uh, running for a purpose, um, and just being plugged into this endurance sports community. And Jason at the time had started launch run, try bike in January of 2021. And I would say no short of like two months after he launched the business, I submitted a, how it all started feature on the platform. Uh, that was titled, it started with a quarter of a mile, uh, back in April of 20. And it's funny. Uh, it's funny to think back because I think that you're always meant to be, uh, right exactly where you're supposed to be. I think that the universe is always like playing a role as long as you work hard, you have good intentions and you put your head down. Like you're always right where you're, where you're supposed to be at the time. 
And I look back at it in hindsight and I think about all the things that connected. Uh, the story after mine was a triple crown of 200s runner, uh, Hector Rodriguez, who was going for the triple crown of 200s at the time. So I messaged him a week before my Zion 100 to ask him for advice. And then after I finished the 100, I asked him if I could pace and crew at the 200 hours. And that led to that. Um, an article. So I wrote that article and then I touched base again with Jason in October as I was trying to like build my writing portfolio and uh, was starting to really think about like leaving my job. I remembered it was actually a drive um, towards the Moab 2021 race and where I was pacing and crewing Hector. And I was on that drive sitting in the rental car like I was driving and I'm looking at these mountains and I'm like, I just had this epiphany moment of like, I don't want to do this job anymore. <laughs> and then like February comes along and I'm like traveling again for that job. And I just work like three night shifts in a row and I'm looking at the mirror in my hotel and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put in my notice. Like I just, I can't do this anymore. Like i have been riding for run, try bike, uh, for a while at this point, five, six articles, um, and just realized that telling people stories is what I wanted to do. And so I took the leap in April of 2021. Uh, I left my job as an aviation civil engineer. I reconnected with Jason in March of 2022. Again, I'd been writing for him for a while. In fact, I'd written like an article about the importance of positivity in endurance sports. And that's actually how Merrill found me and made me a Merrill sponsored athlete. So again, that's everything kind of circling around run, try bike. Um, and so I told Jason like, Hey, I don't just write, I do social media too. Do you know anybody? Like, do you have any connections for me? Uh, as I'm like trying to like freelance this and Jason was like, dude, take my social media. I hate social media. (laughs) Um, and I became run, try bike, social media manager. We, um, we, uh, we kind of went from there he took over more of like the stuff he really loves to do. And in June of 2022, he invited me to be a partner in the business. Uh, and since then we really stepped away from like, we'd always told the stories of the everyday athlete, like you said, the 99 percenters. Um, but we really stepped away from the listicles of like five ways to PR your 100 mm. miles or like 10 ways to like fix your bike or something like that. And we, as we started working together, we really leaned into our identity as being the voice of the everyday athlete. So we really started telling more stories instead of them just being endurance sports stories. We started telling vulnerable life stories and using endurance sports as a conduit. Um, and that sort of became our identity. And so run, try bike. If you ask us what run, try bike is today, we're a media company on websites, on socials, on podcasts. That is the voice of the everyday athlete. We tell the extraordinary stories of the ordinary person. And it's all about just like telling these vulnerable stories and just knowing, as you know, yourself that like, when you tell these stories, you never know whose blueprint it's going to be. You never know, like, you never know what a person's going through. So, like, I I don't know if, like, this has happened with you and you could tell me if this has happened with you. But, like, when I stand at start lines now, I look around 
hundred, whether it's a hundred mile or a road race or whatever. And I'm like, man, every single one of these people has a reason for why they're here. And I just want to know what your story is. Um, like, what is your story? Why are you here? And that I think is the crux of like our why at Run, Try, Bike. It's like, tell me your story because your story matters. And that's uh, that's a big part of what we do and probably the biggest reason for me for why I do it. Um, that's huge. And I will say ever since starting the pod and like, I'm always kind of, I've always had asked that question, like, like what are people doing to find success in life? And it doesn't necessarily have to be from a financial standpoint, but like when you look at someone walking down the street, I'm just like, Oh man, like what are they doing to be the best person they could be? Right. And some people walk down the street with, and they're not, they're definitely, they don't even know what it means to be a person. Right. And I like, I'll be real there, but at the same time, um, I love that you mentioned that because now that I, you know, I'm, this, you'll probably be somewhere around the 24th or 25th episode of the pod. So it's like 25 weeks I've been doing this. And like, man, when I, the last start line I was on, I looked around, there was, I don't know, four or 500 of us. And I was like, man, everyone here has a story. Like if I'm here and I know my story, I know everyone here has a very similar story because like, I know what it takes, especially when you're lining up to some of the bigger races. Like I know what it takes to, to do this, to even to finish two minutes before the cutoff, like the amount of work and sacrifice that you have to do and the amount of drive and determination that you have to have to like make that a reality for yourself. Like there's a story in all of that. There's a story in every training block, let alone like the arc of someone's life and career to get to um, what they're doing in endurance sports. So I definitely love that. And um, I wanted to ask you, and like, this is me and you know, the audience will just have to like, bear with me because they know I'm into marketing. And so like, I'm going to, you know, have a marketing geek out session with you for a second. When you guys made this shift to consciously stop creating the five tips to do this or the five reasons why you should be doing that, like that catchy, I mean, that's the catchy clickbait stuff that gets the clicks, that gets, that gets the engagement. And you started reframing the content on run, try bike into like, how are we telling not just endurance stories, but like, how are we doing a better job of being storytellers? Did you guys take a huge hit in your engagement initially in order to do that? And, and was there and a follow-up question? And obviously if it's like, no, then the follow-up question doesn't really make any sense. But a follow-up question is like, how long did you guys kind of stay true to that value set in order to get back to either, you know, get back to the engagement that you needed to, to run a successful business? I think it was for us, it was actually quite the opposite. Like maybe there was like a transition period of like a drop off of engagement as we were trying to refine and figure out like how we were going to post these articles, how we were going to tell these stories um, and how we were going to present them to our audience. Um, but once that period passed and we really just like lean into it, and this is something, you know, as like a marketing geek as well, like it's all about like repetition. Uh, mm, I think yeah. that there is the, just a quick side, no, like full transparency. I think there's like this allergy to like, man, like I already posted that. I don't want to post it, but on Instagram, like 90% of your followers aren't going to see your post the first time you post it. Repurpose yeah. that over and over again. Yeah. And so we kept, we kept, 
drilling in the fact and leaning into the fact that we're the voice of the everyday athlete. We're the voice of the everyday athlete. And just like, I mean, we said it more times than I'm sure Burger King has said, BK, have it your way, man. <laughs> like, so we really lean into that identity. Uh, and I think that uh, initially there was a bit of a hit, but we have noticed that our numbers have started to like, especially in the last three, four months, as we're having more and more interviews, like I've had between the one I'm going to be having with you very soon, I've had four just this week alone already. And Jason has already had four this week alone for like stories on our platform. And it's sure. Uh, I think that there is a ripple effect that goes beyond just like regular engagement of like, look, I just shared my story on my platform and then their audience will see it and then their audience will see it. And then all of a sudden you have like this ripple domino effect of like people like figuring out our platform. Uh, we have a badge that we shared that says, hey, I shared my story on Run, Try, Bike. So people start seeing the badge and they're like, who are we? And then all of a sudden you got all this brand exposure of like you're seeing Run, Try, Bike everywhere. And then it's like, well, who is Run, Try, Bike? Then you have your answer right there. We are the voice of the everyday athlete. So that's basically yeah. the crux of like uh, what we do and how we do it. And I think that I also think that on the side of like the clickbait side, like Jason, and I have never been a fan of it, especially like negative clickbait, like three reasons you're doing this wrong. Like we've never been a fan of that. Yeah. Like for me, like I love positive clickbait. Like look at this inspiring journey. Look at this guy went from 360 pounds to being a triathlete. Like, uh, totally. And I also think those stories are timeless. Like if like we talked about in the green room, like if Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg change a comma and Instagram algorithm has changed forever. Uh, like those stories on our blog, like the how it all started, um, these conversations we have on the podcast, they're timeless because people have been st telling stories long before the internet and have been like sharing things about themselves long before the internet. And I think that a good story is timeless, uh, and can endure whatever age we go through, whether that's the social media age, or we go back to like the digital age or AI takes over and we turn into Skynet. Uh, we have a Skynet situation. <laughs> Yeah, man. And I just had to ask too, because I've heard it, you know, not just in the trail running media space, you know, um, you know, I listened to an interview with, um, with Dave over at ultra sign up. I've listened to Zoe Rome at trail runner and they've said like, Hey, like our engage when we put out the five tips, this and the gear reviews that, and like all of those things, like that's where the engagement is. That's where the clicks come from. They've had to, not say double click on that, but they've had to prioritize that content as part of their business model because like that's where they're driving success. And so that's why I kind of wanted to ask like, you know, and, and for me, it's a, it's a poignant question. I'm scratching my own itch, you know, does, does good storytelling still rise? Is, is that still the cream that rises the top? And, and I appreciate that your, your willingness to say, yes, Troy, that is the cream that rises to the top, you know, and it comes down to like, do you have good frameworks? Do, are you telling good, you know, you still have to, you still have to tell good stories in order for, you know, in, in order for it to, to kind of separate itself out of the noise for sure. But, you know, I, 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 I would have been remiss if I didn't ask the question because I've heard contrary to that. And I think it's also really important to know, like, 
you don't always have to do what everyone else is doing. And if you can carve out your niche, you can, you can find success. And it sounds like that's, uh, that's, that's what, what you and, and, and your co-founders have been able to do at, uh, at run, try bike. So yeah, and, really uh, cool. I'm glad you made that point because that brings up two of our mantras that Jason and I stand by every day. Um, and one of the ones that we've really stood by is that we want to be different. Like we don't want to be outside magazine. We don't want to be runner's world. We have, all the respect in the world for our competitors, um, or I wouldn't even call them competitors. We are, we feel that we're in a totally different space. We tell all our stories are everyday athlete stories. Um, but we have a saying called disrupt the industry. Uh, if, uh, if you think about a lot of the principles of like, why certain, uh, like certain things that happen, uh, whether it was like the Orville brothers taking flight or anything like there was always a questioning period of like, why are you doing this? Uh, but it always takes me back to this video that I watch every week. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Simon Sinek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Simon's the man, one of the goats, right? Yeah. I, uh, I watch his Ted talk every single week just to remind myself that I'm not, I haven't, I'd like to tell myself I haven't sold a single thing in my life. Like um, or the one and a half years I've been a salesperson. I'm just telling you why I do what I do. Uh, and for yeah. me, yes. And you're talking about the like, know your why video with the circles inside the circles yes. inside the circle. Video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That, yeah. That, just, that. just uh, I'm only saying because I'm going to like make some notes here and we'll link to it in the show notes. So everyone can, can figure yeah. out where their why is to and get indoctrinated to, uh, to, to the man, Simon. So yeah, continue. Sorry. I'm, yeah. So like we talk about, um, so we say disrupt the industry in the sense of like, well, Hey, if they're putting out listicles, we're telling like the everyday stories of athletes. Uh, if they're talking about like, if they're talking about the serious side of ultra running, we're having fun and we're having like a segment about food. Uh, like I think it goes back to the point that you made of like, instead of trying to be, instead of trying to like imitate a formula that you already know is successful, I think that people shouldn't be afraid of like daring to be different. Uh, and there are certainly principles, especially in marketing that like have held up over time. But there's a saying that actually a hundred mile veteran told me during a race and it was do not, don't be afraid to pivot if things aren't working. Um, like, and I think that in business too. And with yes, I was, I was going to say spoken like a true entrepreneur. <laughs> exactly, man. So like, I'm just like, we pivot, we tried new things. Uh, we see what sticks and we build our own identity and we plant our own flag. Uh, and when you going back to Simon Sinek, when you really believe in your why, I think it genuinely shines through, uh, and you meet people who stand with you. And that's our other mantra. It's, you might be brave and have to stand alone at first, but then you will find your community and you will find your tribe. And I think that we both might have experienced that as ultra runners as well. Like at first you're doing this, you kind of look around, people are like, why are you doing this? I'd rather drive. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even drive that far or whatever the stuff that people say. And then you find your tribe, you stand alone and then you find your community. And I think that that's been happening with run, try bike. We really, created an organic community of everyday athletes. Uh, so I think disrupt the industry and be brave and stand alone. And eventually your community will find you and dare to be different. 
Yeah, man. Love that. And, uh, way to string all of it, way, way to string all of the, uh, nice catchy, uh, marketing, uh, logo of, uh, like the nice catchy stuff all together there at the end. I love that too. Um, yeah. And I think it's also really important. Like that's a similar, the journey that you just expressed that you're trying to create on the platform, on the website with the content you're producing is the same journey I went through. So I read a book, that book got me into ultra running. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like way into it. You know, I, went, I read, I read Born to Run. You know, everyone on the pod knows because we're gonna ask you some que- we're gonna ask you some rapid fire questions at the end here. I didn't preface that in the green room, but I read Born to Run. I was like, holy cow! Like before that, I was training for like an obstacle course thing. I was like, oh, I'm gonna do a Spartan race, right? And then like I read Born to Run. I'm like, forget this Spartan stuff. Like <laughs> this ultra running thing. This is it, right? So I got, I I drank some of that Kool Aid hard. I started training. I was doing all of my training by myself. Like I was a, I'm, I'm still a very lone wolf training person. When I'm still very much a lone wolf when it comes to my training. I went and ran my first 50k. In the first five miles, I'm running with this guy. He starts talking about he lives in Sonoma. Like I was living in Sonoma County. This 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 was way too cool. So it's up there in Auburn, California, like a couple three hours away, two and a half hours away. And I started running with this guy. He's like, "Oh, I live in Sonoma County." He's like, "Oh, do you run with these people?" I'm like, "I don't know any of these people." He's like, "Oh, dude, you got to come because like, do you know about this trail?" And I'm like, "What trail are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh, this is where we go get all our vert. Like, you got to come, bro. Like, come be a part of our little our little crew." And so then like met those people. Most of those people are still my friends today. Like we still communicate. Like it, that was like the smallest little part of the tribe, but it was like some core people in the Sonoma County running, uh, ultra running crew. And like from there, it's just kind of like, it opens it up. Right. But it, it comes from that. Like I ran with one person at my first ultra and I realized like, Oh, like there are so many other people that I can connect with. We should, you know, we should be connecting. And that's what's happening. Like at every start line, every single time someone lines up to a race. And then it's also the same thing that happens when someone gets the bug and they, and they Google or they search ultra running and they find all of this different content and they start running down the, the wormhole. They like, they connect with it. They, they resonate with it. And um, yeah, it's really cool that you guys are kind of take, I mean, that's like, that's the journey that that's like the individual journey. And, and, and you're trying to use that framework to, to create, you know, to tell, to tell stories and by telling really good stories, you're creating, you know, scale in, 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 in the organization that you're building. That's really awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on with run, try bike? Cause I really want to move into, uh, you know, the work that you're doing with the Ridgestone family center. Uh, no, I think I definitely love to uh, dive into Ridgestone now. Yeah, let's do it. So let's talk. So you did in the intro, but re-explain the mission and then talk about, like how you got connected with that organization and, and then ultimately the work that you do for it. Yeah. So Ritstone family is an organization that is based out of LA, uh, in West LA and they, uh, treat and prevent child abuse, domestic violence, and they help end generational trauma. Uh, so instead of just kind of separating the families, uh, who are dealing with abuse, they, their goal is to keep the families together. They adopt entire families uh, they do it in low income. Mm. They especially help out families with essential workers, uh, as parents who are essential workers, uh, families of minorities. Uh, I got connected to Ritstone when I was in college, uh, as an engineering student, actually, everything just comes around and goes around in this world, in this universe. Um, and just stayed in touch with them since 2016. And then 2021, I was racing across the year 72 hour and I touched base with Ritstone again, uh, 
because I was looking for a cause that I could, I had worked with other, uh, I'd worked with other charities at the time. Like I'd worked with the food drive to, uh, raise enough money to put out a thousand meals for the homeless during COVID. I had worked with a couple other organizations, one that was, uh, partnering in uh, domestic violence in the South Asian community. And then I touched base with Ritstone again because I had known them on a personal level for so many years. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying with Run, Try, Bike about like when you genuinely believe in something, like it shines. And I know that with charities and fundraisers, um, there's this level of like distrust, like uh, of certain charities, uh, because of what they do and their transparency, maybe, or maybe their intent for why they're doing it. And I just built a relationship with Ritstone long enough to know that these people are genuine, uh, and they are actually having an impact on the community. And I had gone through similar bouts of like abuse and been around domestic violence and, uh, seen generational trauma during my, most of my childhood. And so I very much resonated with these kids. I also came from a low-income bracket family. Uh, my parents are immigrants from India and also was like born and raised in the Los Angeles area. So I really saw myself in these kids. And so I just knew that it was a cause I could get behind. And so I figured like if I'm going to be doing these crazy feats of endurance, maybe they will be crazy enough. Like I've, I had noticed that people were like it was grabbing people's attention. So I'm like, why not sure. take that attention towards a good cause that I genuinely believe in. And so ever since then, I've just, we raised $10,000 for Ritstone. I am trying new and inventive ways of like raising awareness for ending child abuse and domestic violence and Ritstone. Like they actually made me a uh, flag banner that I can carry across every finish line for my races from now on. And whenever Very I go cool. to family center the kids always ask me like how'd your races go did you win another gold medal uh which i lie to them i tell them that the, my buckles are gold medals um <laughs> nice but, but um i and they also ask me like are you carrying our flag across the finish line i'm like i absolutely am every single finish line um and i will be carrying it across every finish line next year as well but yeah, man, I'm uh, very passionate about the cause and just trying to find new and inventive ways to like not just raise money and solicit donations through Ritstone, but show people that if there was an organization like this in every city in the world, then the world would be a far better place. And also just inspire people to run for their own cause, um, even if that cause is themselves, like run for something, run for a purpose. Um, and I think that there is a strength to Rich Roll had said it in his book, Finding Ultra, but there's a strength to like running for a higher purpose. And I really have realized that because I've noticed in 100 mile races and 200 mile races, like sometimes the intrinsic won't be enough. And I'm very blessed and fortunate to have a lot of extrinsic factors like I think about all these kids and their names. I think about what I'm fighting for. And that really gives you another additional why to like really fuel you and propel you forward. And I think that there is not only the selfless side of it, but that's more of the selfish side of it. So that's what I do, man. 
Yeah, man, I can't, I, I can't agree more. And I think, you know, that's, that's, it's really, really cool. Um, I remember my first hundred K I had aligned with, um, this company called weed for warriors. And I had, uh, reached out to a bunch of different organizations for anyone that doesn't know on the pod, uh, the, the business that I founded and, um, I'm in the process of exiting out of is a, um, we we're a cannabis company, so we create cannabis products in the California market. But, um, I remember I was running my first hundred K and I was like, man, I wonder how can I, how can I make a cause around this? Like you said, you know, and, and I, I knew about this organization and I reached out to a bunch of brands and they're all competitive brands in the space. And then my own company. And, you know, I got a bunch of brands to donate per mile, you know, like they're going to donate X amount of dollars per mile. Um, around me finishing this hundred K and then we donated all the money to the organization. And it was like a really cool thing. Cause like, uh, I had ran my first 50 miler like three weeks before. And so it was just like that hundred K sucked. It hurt. It was like very painful, very early on. And honestly, like I, I'm pretty stubborn. So I'd like to think I would have kind of pushed through it, but you know, having, knowing that I had like kind of wrapped this, this, this race around this cause and that I was raising money for every step that I took, basically, you know, every mile I completed was more money getting donated to this organization. It was really easy to lean into that. It was really easy to find a reason to kind of keep moving forward. And I think that's, it's really important. Um, and I think it's really cool, especially the work that you're doing right now with, with Richstone. It's, um, it's needed. And like you said, man, if there's organizations like this, um, in every single city across the country, there'd be, um, There'd be a lot of good work being done, man. And I, I think humanity kind of deserves it and needs it. So, um, yeah, man, you got to keep showing up. And I, I love that, that you're willing to do that. Um, so, you know, we kind of talked about your role as a small business owner. And as an entrepreneur myself, I know it can be really difficult to like kind of balance all the things. Uh, do you have any actionable tips for the audience on like, how do you manage to just, you know, you got a lot going on. So like, how do you manage to kind of like get the training in and still show up as your best self in the other aspects of your life um, from being a community organizer, organizer and, and also, um, you know, a key member and a founding member of a, of a, um, of a small business? Well, it's, uh, you know, as somebody who is working 55 to 60 hours a week and is, Thankfully, right now, just kind of on the tail end of like finishing a season and base building, but sure, that's going to get crazier when the peak weeks start coming in, as you know. <laughs> um, yep. The advice that I would have uh, from what I've learned is you got to take it one day at a time. Uh, you have to you have to set aside like what are three, four things I can do today for the business. And there are like some cool ways to do it. My favorite two methods are like the Pomodoro Pomodoro method, where it's like you work in 25 minute blocks, you take five minutes off and you work in another yep. five minute block. Uh, my other favorite one is the three, 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 where it's like you work three hours on um, something deep dive, like editing something like um, I edit the podcast for run, try bike. So I work on editing the podcast or writing an article for three hours. Then it can be three items to build up the business that you have to do that day. And then three maintenance tasks, uh, like I'm going to comment on five posts today and I will comment on five posts every day on our social media platforms to let people know that we're engaging. I will, uh, at the end of the day, I'll update our content calendar. I'll update our contact tracker. 
So kind of just breaking it down. Um, and then I think the most important thing is like knowing that it's not going to be perfect. Um, one thing that I like to stress total pun intended is that, um, all stress is stress. Your body doesn't have an odometer. Um, that's something I had to learn the hard way. Like your body doesn't have an odometer and your body can't tell 80 miles and a 60 hour workload from like a hundred miles and like something else like it's it's all all stress is stress so if you're having like if you couldn't sleep the night before if you just put in like a 13 hour day at work um like do not feel like you have to wake up the next day and like grind out a run like there are days where you have to like build that mental toughness and go out in a certain weather and do it but like that doesn't have to be every day like and that's true for business too like um there are moments where it's like, I just need to put the computer down. I just need to sit on the park bench for an hour and then I'll come back and I'll look at it afterwards. So give yourself some grace. Uh, make sure to take care of yourself because building a business and training for an ultra marathon are both marathons. They're not sprints and you have to recover as strong as you train. One other thing, if you are not a free trail pro member, you are missing out. I love the free trail community and have been a member from the beginning. We all love trail culture. I would guess that you love trail races because the community around this amazing sport is second to none. Well, that's how I feel about the free trail community. With the free trail pro subscription, you can bring the trail running community you love everywhere you go. You get access to the free trail Slack community, training plans, weekly office hours that feature special guests, exclusive member-only content, early access to merch drops, and so much more. From training and gear questions to getting inspiration from the epic adventures and races that members are doing, the free trail community is the place to be. Start your free trial today at freetrail.com. After that, it's only $96 a year for membership. If you are a fan of what Free Trail is doing for our sport, that is a small price to pay to support some of the best written, visual, and audio content in trail and ultra running. I hope to see you in the Free Trail Slack community. And when you introduce yourself, mention the Midpacker Pod. Yeah, stress stress plus recovery equals growth, right? So you kind of have to have you, you have to be able to balance that into the equation. And um, I love that you said give yourself grace because that's like I was that's that's was on the top of my head when when you were kind of going through all those things. And um, yeah, I mean the systems are really cool, and I'll definitely try to uh, try to link to some of those in the show notes, and I'll probably follow up with you afterwards just to just so you can give me a recap on some of those things. And um, yeah, man, I think it's also like you know I think it's really important to to be okay with having a zero day, you know, like I bake one into my week every single, every, you know, Mondays are my zero day. Cause Mondays are really hectic day to start the week, but it's also like, cool. Like I don't have to worry about running. I don't have to worry about doing, I don't do any training. I mean, it's, it's like literally a zero day. I do absolutely nothing. Um, and I think that's also really important to do, but yeah, man, just being okay with, you know, if you have to take a step back and breathe deep, like you said, like go sit on the park bench. I was thinking like, Oh, go for a run, you know, but that's just me. But uh, at the same time, like, you know, sometimes you have to kind of ebb and flow with the, with the business and with the work. And, you know, hopefully for the audience, like you have the kind of relationship with if, either if you're building an organization, you have the relationship with yourself to say, 
when I need to take the space to go do my endurance efforts, it's helping the business because it's allowing me to show up as a better version of myself, you know, um, as long as, like you said, you're not completely ran down and stressed out. Uh, and then ultimately, if, if you're not the one building and, and you're the one helping to build, you have a relationship with with uh, with your employer that says like, hey, this is like really important for me. And, and they're willing to kind of give you some grace so that you can make sure that you're getting uh, getting that work in. And I think I think that's something that a lot of people um, like I've learned over the years, like you get zero of what you don't ask for. So it's like having that upfront conversation with your employer and saying like, hey, you know, there's, there, I'm in the middle of the day, like I'm blocking out like this, this block, whether it's like two to three or one to one to two or one to two thirty. like I'm not taking meetings at this time. Why? Because like, I'm going to be going for a run. And if you have a problem with that, we should talk about it because like, this is going to allow me to do, this is allow me to come back at three o'clock from three to six and crush for you. And so it's like, it's okay to have those conversations. And honestly, like if your boss ain't about that, you're probably, I mean, it's time to start, you know, freshen up the resume and finding a new boss, you know, like when, I mean, I'm not telling anyone to quit their job tomorrow. I'm just saying like, Hey, like there's, there's always, uh, there's always a better opportunity out there as long as you're willing to put in the work to find it. So, um, yeah, man, that's, uh, I appreciate, um, I appreciate you, you know, you being vulnerable there and saying like, Hey, sometimes it's just too much and running is going to take a back seat. And sometimes the business is too much. And I'm gonna have to put that on the back burner for a minute. So I can either, go do nothing or go for a run because like, I don't know, for me, I have some of my best ideas when I'm running or I'm able to kind of like prioritize and clear out some of the cobwebs that are like lingering in, in, in my thought process when, when I'm out on just an easy run. So, um, yeah, I definitely love that. Uh, yeah, man, let's dive into what you're about to get into next year. And I think it's like, it's, it's a, it was a big topic this year because, uh, you know, quite a, quite a few people, um, you know, Sally McCree did the, did the, did the grand slam of two hundreds and, and, you know, you've kind of put yourself out there. Like that's your goal for next year. Um, let's just say like, how are you feeling about this for one? And, um, you know, what is that going to look like for you? Cause man, I don't, I don't know about you, but like when I run a hundred, like, and I, I've told the audience, like, I'm not running a hundred next year because it's just too much for me and my family. I've got a young kid right now. And like, just the training alone, you talked about peak weeks. Like I am not like my wife hates me six, five, four weeks out from a hundred miler because like, I'm just not around. Like I'm getting up early to put in my runs on the weekends. You don't see me at all because I'm going to go run for like eight hours in the middle of nowhere. And it takes me like an hour to drive. It's like a 10 hour day of spent running. And she's just like, dude. And I'm like, listen, we talked about this. And she's like, I know. And in the recovery. So I spend like whatever, 30 some odd hours running. She's taking care of the kid the whole time. And then I'm wrecked for like four days afterwards. And so it's just like, she's, she's taking care of two kids, you know? So, um, anyway, that's just me venting to my audience about how hard it is to, to do all the things. Um, but like for you, I've never ran a 200. What is like, for one, like what's the recovery process look like for you? And then going back to my original questions, like how are you feeling about the journey that you're about to go on? And then how do you feel like you're going to be able to balance all of it? Cause I definitely know it's a, it's a huge time commitment. So so I've crossed over the 200 mile distance three times. I took a 235 mile DNF at Moab last year, which is okay. in story in itself. I did 232 miles at across the years while doing the around the clock challenge, which is uh, a lap every hour for 144 hours, um, which is a whole nother story in itself. But um, 
I did Oregon 200 uh, in August this year, and that was an incredible race put on by Go Beyond. Shout out to Todd Renee. Um, I will say that uh, taking all three of those, the recovery process between that versus the 100 miles that I've done, I feel like 100s are physically, at least in the mid-pack, I feel like 100s are physically tougher on my body. I feel like I'm out of it way okay. more pace. Um, you're not sleeping overnight. Um Where's the 200? I was actually 12 hours after Oregon. I actually walked a quarter of a mile to the only open gas station, the only place I could find food <laughs> uh, after the race because I was so hungry. But um, I feel like the recovery for 200 miles generally, I don't feel like myself again until maybe like four weeks after. And I think it's more from like an adrenal sense, like you're short circuited. You've been in your primal state for almost like four days now. Um, yeah. And there's like a lot going on internally that you can't see, uh, which can be dangerous. So you really have to take your time to recover from those races. And I think that that is a big part of what is going to be the challenge of doing three 200s in the calendar year uh, is dialing in that recovery and realizing that it's not just the physical, but it's the stuff that's going on internally. Um, and also just like mentally, you don't want to be tapped out and burned out either. Cause you got three of them on the calendar, but, um, yeah, I would say for my goal yes. next year, um, uh, I've been thinking about this goal since 2021. I had signed up in 2021 and, uh, I've been working towards it for a very long time. Um, I would say that I am scared, but also confident in my ability to give myself a fighting chance. Uh, like I'm definitely, and I'm excited that I'm scared because I, I always want to choose a goal that's scary and like, like building a business or any other thing in life. I mean, I want to choose something that's scary that I don't know if I can finish or I don't know if there's a shot I can do it. Cause I know that even if I fail big and the stakes are high, that I'm going to grow a lot from the journey. I just made a post about it today on my social, actually. It was a reflection on the fact that, like, I haven't even started the Triple Crown yet, but everything I've done has sort of been indirectly or directly towards that. And look how much I've grown in that process. So it's a journey from the beginning, and it's a journey all the way to the end. And honestly, man, I'm just excited about the journey of getting there um, and uh, excited to see how I grow from the actual journey, uh, of like doing those races and, um, hoping that it helps me be a better human, a better business owner and better in my other facets of my life. Yeah, man, 100. And I think, uh, or 200, <laughs> Uh, and uh, thanks for th thanks for uh, for clarifying the triple crown of 200s. I know I mentioned I said the Grand Slam, so um, which would be like those three races plus Cocodona. Um, yeah, and and uh, honestly, I didn't realize that you had a DNF at Moab. So you basically made. I mean, 230 miles. That's you know 90 percent of the way there. Um, you feel like there's a little redemption. You, you know, you, you you're looking for a little bit of a redemption. You're there, and and what you know, obviously you like to do hard things, but what was it about that year at Moab that, um, that made you decide to pull the plug? I, uh, I suffered a hip injury at mile 225. Okay. Eventually yeah. brought, grinded me to a halt where I missed the last cutoff and I didn't know the severity of the injury. I had only gotten about two hours of sleep at that point. So I was very out of it. And 
the last sections on that segment, even if I did walk it in, would have been by the road, and that would have been extremely dangerous to do. And it just, uh, I made the call for my safety and realized that there are no miles in the world that make sense to do when, like, you're living to fight another day. I think that there's a stigma around DNFs. It's funny that we have the word, like, it's funny that we have the talk about DNFs in our sport when, like, in other sports, like in mountains, there's like a turnaround time when you don't make it by a certain window and they don't call it IDNF the mountain. Uh, at work, you know, if you fail a project, nobody says, hot, you DNF your project. You know, <laughs> it's just you fail, you move on. Um, and so for me, like reflecting back on it, uh, I think everything comes down to sleep and nutrition. Uh, the sleep wasn't going mm-hmm. well. The nutrition went started to go badly after the second day and all of that starts to add up your pace slows down next thing you know you're fighting the cutoffs you're fighting the cutoff train your body so i think everything is a domino ripple effect um and so honestly like maybe a year ago it would have been a it was a dark time when i wasn't running for about eight weeks but now looking back on it i can say that it is one of my proudest moments because i don't think that full transparency. I don't think that there are a lot of people in this world and I encourage those people who aren't doing it to find their physical limit because I found mine that day. And, uh, I'm, I don't, you don't get to see that very often. And I'm very fortunate that I did. And I learned a lot from it that has helped me get to where I am today. So I would never take that back nine out of 10 times. Yeah, man. I love that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Maybe even 10 out of 10 times. I don't yeah, think man. I would. Because it's all part of the journey, man. Yeah, man. Love that. And uh, how's the hip? Everything good? You said you, you had to take eight weeks off of running and a lot of prehab or, or, or I mean, sorry, a lot of rehab and PT and, and just kind of yeah. let everything put itself back together. A lot of rehab, mobility. This year, I've really doubled down on my strength training and my mobility. Uh, I so important my relationship with running of like... I went from like, I need to just plug as many miles as possible. I need to do like, I need to do this at a high level. I need to gray line everything to like, every run should be intentional. You have to watch your stress and listen to your body. Like it doesn't matter if you're doing 35 miles or 50 miles or whatever, like your body, you have to trust your body to know what it's doing. And I've noticed that even though I've reduced my mileage, even though I've done and I've doubled my strength training and I'm doing other things. Uh, I've noticed that the more I've tuned into my body, the better my performance has gotten uh, as an athlete. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, I, I'm like 43 years old. So like I'm doing strength like two, three days a week. I do mobility five days a week. Um, I'm not a high volume runner. You know, I think I, I average like 50 miles a week unless I'm in the middle of a peak week. But yeah, I will tell you, um, the mobility stuff, like the strength stuff makes you durable, but the mobility stuff really does make it make make you a durable athlete. And it kind of, it's crazy because, um, you don't think you're doing all that much, you know, like when you're doing band work or you're doing floor work and you're like doing hip mobility stuff and you're doing core work and you're like, okay, but at the end of the day, like you take that away for six weeks and there's like you're losing range of motion, you're losing specific strength in specific movement patterns. Um, and I, I mean, I, like, I like to lift heavy things. Don't get, don't get it twisted, but like I would, 
I definitely, I would rather be doing like 30 minutes a day of mobility work than, um, like, I think it's, I think it's as important, if not more important than, you know, getting in that two days, one or two days a week of, of strength training when it comes down to like creating longevity. Um, I do, I will say like, once you get past 40, man, like if you're not doing, if you're running a lot and you're not doing any strength work, like you're, you're leaving a lot on the table in my opinion. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Really, really cool. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to discuss on the pod before we, we start to round out the conversation? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think I've gotten out the messages I wanted to get out. Nice. Um, yeah, so a little, little bit, uh, I didn't preface this in the green room, but we, I do like, uh, uh, three simple rapid fire questions for, for most people on the pod. And so if, if you're game, you know, so take a couple minutes, but, uh, you down for it. I'm down. Yeah, man, let's do it. So, um, uh, born to run or ultra marathon, man. Ooh, born to run. Yeah. That's a consensus on the pod for a lot of people. I think I've had 20, you know, 24, 25 guests and, uh, two people have, have, have not picked born to run. So I'm a born, I mean, I prefaced this earlier in our conversation. I'm a, I'm a born to run guy for sure. Um, read both books, but the born to run is definitely the first one. It's like what really captivated me and got me into, into the community. Um, what's your favorite distance to race? uh 200 miles is my favorite okay going long man going long and strong i love it and i'm excited to uh we'll definitely i'll definitely have to to stay in touch i want to see how how this year unfolds for you man like i said the idea of doing 200 three 200 mile races in a year it's uh it's an epic accomplishment so um and then what's your favorite thing to eat after you finish a race? Uh, and let's preface by like meal. So like when your stomach is ready to consume, you know, like a decent amount of food and you can go to like whatever restaurant you want to go eat at, what, what is the type of food you usually pick? It's usually like a, it's usually like a pizza for me, but I seem to gravitate a lot towards like, fast food and i think it's my body just going like man i need to replenish all these salts i lost or something but uh i've surprised myself before and i've just got to say that pizza has been a go-to a few times and little caesar's crazy bread actually has been a go-to nice yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of pizza i like i i can i use i like to consume an entire large pizza post-race if i can um if i'm not finishing it you know, four o'clock in the morning. So like the next day, go eat an entire pizza if, if, if I can, if I can do it. Um, but yeah, man, love that. And then, um, you know, I'll link to everything in the show notes. So definitely make sure we got links to run, uh, run, try bike. Um, you know, lots of fun stuff, lots of great mentions here. I've got a page, a half a page full of notes and, and stuff for the show notes. And then I'll follow up with you about, uh, some of those productivity frameworks that you mentioned. Cause I, I missed getting those into the show notes, but, um, uh, if, uh, if anyone wanted to, to, to reach out to you, um, post episode, you know, where can they find you? And then ultimately, um, you know, if anyone's interested, uh, I mean, it, is, is the contributions on run, try bike, like open source, or is there a funnel that people can get into or, or is that something you're, you're interested in? Are you guys good with, uh, with the content you're bringing in right now? Uh, I think we're good with the content we're bringing in right now, cool. but always yeah. looking for stories, uh, for people to share on our platform. Uh, cause every story matters. Um, Best place to reach me is probably uh, the Om Gandhi. That's my Instagram handle. Uh, cool. Another best place to reach me is Run Try Mag. 
Uh, so I'll answer on both of those, or Jason will answer on the Run Try Mag one, but those are the two best places to reach me. Cool. Very good. And I'll make sure I link to both those Instagram accounts on the show notes. And, and oh man, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, it's great having you on the pod. And I'm excited to, uh, to sit down with you here really soon and, um, and for you to turn the mic on me. So. Yeah, man, I'm super excited to interview you and, uh, uh, turn the tables. It's going to be a lot of fun and a great conversation. I appreciate you having me on Troy. Yeah, man, no worries. And, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch brother. All right. Well, if you're still here, thanks for sticking around to the end. Uh, a few things and a couple call to actions. If you could uh, do any of these things, it would be a big help for us. So first, follow us on Instagram at the Midpacker Pod. And if you if you like this episode, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this episode from your podcast feed on your podcast player and upload it to your stories on Instagram. Tag the Midpacker Pod leave a comment on the post about how amazing you think the pod is. We'll share it on our IG. It'll really help to spread the word about the podcast and grow our audience. And it'd be really appreciated if you, if you value the content, you know, you can help us out that way. Uh, if you like the show and you haven't already, please consider giving us a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening on. It really does help uh, increase our searchability on the algorithm. It puts us in front of, uh, other people that like trail and ultra running. And so, um, you know, these are two things that you can do to, to really help spread the word about the pod. You know, if you value the content, um, I definitely value each and every one of you that listen every single week. Uh, and, and yeah, I am just super, super grateful. Um, also if you're interested in supporting any of our sponsors, you can find links and codes in the show notes. I'm super stoked to bring this content to you all every single week. And, and as always, thank you for your support and we'll see you next time on the Midpacker pod. Let's use it.